0: Uh, I come from Bristol, and um, I'm married to one wife, and I've got three kids, 31, 27, and 25. Funny names, but we like them. And uh, this is the bit you're going to find really hard to get, is I've also got two grandchildren. Oh, not enough surprise there. Thank you. So I've got little Jonah, who's six, and then we've got Penelope, who's 15 weeks old. So, uh, i 'm loving this stage of life. I really am it 's great just to you know have these little ones around us and it 's half term, so we 'll have lots of fun time together i 'm sure. but uh, i 'm really glad to, to be here i 've been kind of watching the, the development of Bridge Church over the last uh, year or so, and i 've known Sam and Mandy for a little while, I came to two four five. I think it was uh, up in the, the town about three or four years ago on behalf of Compassion U.K. And, uh, and Sam and I kind of connected, and then again at Creation Fest as well, where I was speaking. So it's um, been really exciting to see what God is, is doing among you, you know, and, um, and, and the team that's coming together. It's just, just really, really good. Uh, I love church planting. I really do. I, I've been involved in church planting most of my life, really. And uh, I love to see new things beginning, you know? I love to see old things doing well, but I love to see new things beginning as well and, and taking off. Uh, because how many of you know that uh, that our, our nation needs Jesus? Our nation needs, you know, an answer. Our nation needs hope in the days in which we live. You know, there's lots of questions going on, uh, lots of World events have been kind of unsettling people for, you know, the last few years, certainly, haven't they? Wars and all kinds of things, terrible things that we're hearing about. And I think people want answers. And uh, you and I, if we know and love the Lord Jesus, we have that answer. So we're part of the answer. We're part of the solution. And that's why God has brought you together to be a bridge to reach out to people and help people to come across into the kingdom of God and find that place of hope. So uh, I love it. You know, all across the country, I've seen churches rising up and I've been involved in some of those church plants as well. And it's just so exciting to see. And you know, whether it's units on business parks or hotels or schools, or uh, I remember being in a a pub right on uh, Brighton Seafront where we were planting a church as well. That was pretty cool. I remember being in a nightclub in Liverpool, and uh, you know, it was all mirrors all the way around, you know, So when I went for a response at the end, about three people put their hands up, but it looked like 33 people put their hands up. You know? Really good. But um, uh, just all kinds of different places where we're seeing God's kingdom rising up. And I want to encourage you here in Launceston today, that you're part of something bigger, that you're part of something that God is doing not just across our nation, but right around the world. He's raising his church up uh, and uh, using his church to be uh, part of the solution in bringing uh, hope to the world. So uh, be encouraged today, won't you, that, that God is for you, and if God is for you, who can be against you? Um. These kind of early days of church, it's good to get good foundations into the life of the church. And I know that Sam has been doing a lot of that. But if you've got a Bible, just go to um, the letter to the Philippians, the church in Philippi. Uh, I don't know how long you've been kind of part of church life or part of being a Christian, uh, but the Apostle Paul was a key character in the New Testament And uh, he had an amazing testimony. He was like hated Christians, but then he met with Jesus and he became the biggest supporter. And uh, he would plant churches and he would encourage churches. He would write letters to churches just to give them hope and encouragement in uh, the, the times that they were going through. And this is one of four letters that the Apostle Paul wrote When he was in prison, we believe. Okay, so he wrote a a letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians. He wrote a letter to the church in Colossae, the letter to the Colossians, and uh, he also wrote a letter to an individual, a guy called Philemon, uh, not Spiderman, Philemon, and uh, uh, you know that was just to encourage him just to think differently about his view of slaves and all that kind of thing. And and uh, but he also wrote this letter. To the church in Philippi. And some say that it was written when he was in captivity in Rome. In Acts 28, you can hear how, after all his travels, he ends up in Rome and he's there in a house under guard, but he's allowed to speak uh, and preach the gospel. And um, he knew his time was near. And so he had all this stuff that he wanted to pour out. He wanted to encourage the church. He wanted to equip the church because he knew that his time was near, that maybe any day now he could be executed because of his faith. Um, But he loved the church so much and wanted to encourage them. Now his association to Philippi went back um, to the second missionary trip that we read about in the, the, the book of Acts. And if you just actually let's let's just go back to Acts chapter sixteen. Sorry, keep your finger in that page, won't you? And Acts chapter sixteen. I'm gonna need my glasses because I'm a granddad and I'm getting old, you see. So if I can find my glasses, there we go. And uh, you remember that that uh, Paul and Barnabas and Timothy and others they travelled around and they were able to uh, encourage the church and plant the churches and. And uh, in Acts chapter 16, we'll find out how this happened, this this kind of association with Philippi. In verse 6, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. See, sometimes God doesn't want you to do certain things, He's got a a perfect time that He wants that to happen. So maybe you feel like, you know, uh, you've had a heart to do something, but you've been stopped in your tracks. Well, maybe it's the spirit of the Lord who's just holding you back right now because it's not the right time. And he's got other plans for you that he wants to use you in. And, uh, and so it says, verse seven, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Trias we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samosras and the the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Well, we could go on and uh, talk a little bit more, but we'll we'll refer about some more things that happened in uh, Philippi in a few moments. But uh, that's kind of how it happened. There was a call that he had a vision uh, of a call to go to this place because God had a purpose for him uh, in being there. And uh, so that's how he met with them. And then later on, you know, he's now in prison and he's writing to the church in Philippi because he wants to encourage uh, the church. Always be an encourager. Always uh, try to lift other people. Always... Uh, speak into people's lives and encourage people because, you know, nobody ever quit because of too much courage, encouragement, did they? You know, we, we need encouragement, all of us. And uh, so be an encourager. So he, he writes to them to say thank you for the gifts that they had sent him, to talk about his persecution, to warn them about, uh, you know, getting into needless arguing and things like that to warn them about the teaching of of the Jews, you know, who would try to bring them back out of freedom into kind of legalism, and to send his greetings as well. But it's a letter that is full of, you know, encouraging them in how they should live as Christians. So this morning, I just want to share six things briefly with you about the church in Philippi and what Paul saw for them and how he saw them, uh, you know that they needed to grow in God. Is that okay? Six things this morning. So if you've got your your notebooks ready, here we go. Number one, this is uh, the first and most important thing, and we've been doing this this morning. Number one, Christ is the most important one. Okay, Jesus is the most important one, and Paul wanted to get that message across. Amongst everything else, all the excitement of church planting, all the excitement of building programs, all the excitement of activities, and all of these things, Paul is saying Christ is the most important one. In fact, through this short letter of four chapters, Paul mentions the word Christ 37 times. 37 times. You know, he's talking about Jesus, who is the Christ. What does Christ mean? In the Greek, it's Christos. It means the anointed one, and Jesus is the anointed one. Therefore, actually, as Christians, we are little anointed ones. So the, the, the spirit of Jesus has come into our lives. When we were born again, when we asked Christ into our lives, something of that, uh, that anointing came into us as well. You are an anointed one. God has anointed you to serve him in these days and to speak up for him and to uh, share your faith. We are the little anointed ones in many ways. But you know what? The danger is, you know, we can get so excited about all that's going on here that we talk more about church and the community center and, and all of those things and skate parks and kiddies play areas and all of those. And that's all so important that we forget to talk about Jesus And I want to encourage you as you're sharing your faith, as you're talking about what you did over the weekend, talk about Jesus. Talk about him because, uh, you know, he's the most important one. Make sure that you start the day worshipping Jesus. Uh, Grow in your relationship with him. Love Jesus. I I love the way Abby and the the band just led us in some beautiful worship there. And, uh, you know, I go to lots of churches and I sing songs which, kind of, you know, seem to be more about me than they do about him, you know? It's all all about me and how I'm feeling and, oh, woe is me, you know? I just want to shoot myself half the time, you know? But, but uh, you know, uh, I loved it this morning because we sang songs about Jesus. Be lifted up. And Jesus said that. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. So we've got to keep lifting up Jesus. We've got to keep preaching Jesus. We've got to keep talking about Jesus, worshiping Jesus, you know? And, and I love the fact, you know, with the kids' ministry and everything, you know, so many churches and programs are all about entertainment for the kids and, you know, keeping them happy and all the rest of it. But here, it's about Jesus. You know, we want these children to grow in the knowledge and, and the love of the Lord Jesus. So Christ is the most important one. This has to do with our priority, This is about Christ-centered living. And, you know, when you uh, ask Jesus to come and change your world and change your life and forgive you and cleanse you and all of that to be Lord of your life, it's about him being at the center. Now, I fail miserably most weeks, but thank God that there's grace. Thank God that there's forgiveness. You know, I mess up some. How about you? Am I the only one? Okay, no, I mess up all the time. I really do, you know, because my mind thinks stupid things or, you know, I behave wrongly or my attitude stinks sometimes or the words I say, you know, not appropriate. But but what's going on, you know? Jesus needs to be the most important one. So I need to get my life back into a place where Jesus is central to that and uh, where uh, he rules, where he's Lord. He's Lord. Let's keep talking about Jesus. The very last thing that, uh, you know, uh, Acts says, it, it's, uh, the last verse, it says that Paul, you know, there he is in Rome and he rents a room for two whole years and he boldly proclaims the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he's talking about Jesus all the time. So Christ-centered living. Christ is the most important one. Here's number two. Uh, in verse 18 of Philippians chapter 1, Uh, We won't read all these scriptures, but uh, we'll just draw some thoughts out. Um, Verse 18, uh, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my. Deliverance. I continue to rejoice. Can I encourage you to be someone who has an attitude of rejoicing? You know, Paul uh, continued to rejoice. He mentions that word joy or rejoice 10 times through that letter because he's got the joy of the Lord. Something has happened in his life and he can't get over it. You know, he doesn't want to get over it. He just wants to keep, uh, you know, rejoicing in God. That's how he comes through some really tough times in his life. This guy experienced incredible persecution. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was thrown in prison. All kinds of stuff happened to him. But he keeps on rejoicing because he finds that that's the key to his deliverance. He finds that that's the key to overcoming in that situation. He counts it all joy. And he prays in verse 20 for sufficient courage. You see, he knows what it is to to bless God and to give thanks and to rejoice and praise and worship, uh, you know, in the storms of life, in the trials of life, in that... uh, passage that we read from Philippi it goes on to talk about how he's arrested him and Silas and they're put in this jail and it's not a very nice place but there's all these other prisoners there as well they're all in chains i guess you know if if you and i have been put in prison for something that you know we hadn't really done anything wrong but if we were put there we may be thinking this is just not fair you know we may have a little bit of a pity party and think you know what's going on here god have you forgotten me don't you care about me why am i here all i'm trying to do is serve you but you know what what's paul doing he's rejoicing he's praising god and uh, about midnight they're still going on through the night you know i don't know how the rest of the prisoners were feeling but you know they're singing songs of praise and uh, adoration to god and that's where they find their courage and their strength and all of a sudden there's that incredible earthquake and their chains fall, fall off and uh, you know they have the freedom to, to to disappear but they don't they stick around and they end up leading the jailer and his whole family to the lord and establishing the church there in philippi do you know the joy of the lord will be your strength I don't know what you're going through at the moment. Maybe you're going through a bit of a prison experience. Maybe you're going through uh, a tough trial in your life. Maybe things are unjust for you right now. Maybe there's uh, you know, situations that are unfair, things that you feel that you're chained up and bound in. But can I encourage you to continue to rejoice? Don't lose your faith in that circumstance. Don't lose your joy in that situation because that's the very key to getting you In and through this situation, it really is. Continue to rejoice. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I read a book years ago uh, by a guy called Melvin Carruthers, I think it was, From Prison to Praise. And, uh, uh, you know, in every situation, he was seeking just to praise God in the circumstances that he was facing. Whether it was, um, you know, uh, things breaking down or, you know, trials, illness, whatever it might be. He continued to rejoice. He decided that his attitude would be one of joy rather than pity and, you know, looking at his circumstances. That's courageous living. That gives you courage. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Don't let the enemy rob you of your joy or he will rob you of your strength. And that's the thing about so many Christians, you know. We've allowed the enemy to come in and take our joy away. And as a result, our strength has gone. We've become disillusioned in our faith. And that's why many people, you know, just either wander away or whatever it, it might be. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. I dare you to try it this week if you don't already. You know, when stuff goes wrong, and it does go wrong, keep on praising God. Keep on rejoicing in God. So, you know, Christ is the most important one that has to do with our priority. Uh, We need to continue to rejoice. That has to do with our attitude. But number three, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, it says there in verse 27. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, this has to do with our behavior and our lifestyle. Can I say to you, whatever happens, be consistent. Be consistent. Whatever changes Come into your life. Whatever goes wrong, stay the same. Stay the same. Be consistent. You know, uh, this is what God's called you to. You know, and He's promised that He will be with you right through that situation. Be consistent. Whatever changes, whatever's going on in our world, whatever Mister Trump does next, or, or or whatever you know happens in uh, other parts of the world, that. Uh, whatever happens with brexit and all of that stuff you know it can unsettle us but can i tell you just stay consistent stay in a place of faith because god is bigger than all of those things and and whatever happens conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of christ you know when things go wrong when you know the washing machine breaks down when you know uh, you can't pay the bills when there's you know health issues or whatever it might be when the dog bites when the bee stings when I'm feeling sad there's a cue for a song isn't it you know when whatever's going on as a Christian don't fall apart be consistent in that time our citizenship is in heaven our hope is in God you know, he's called us to great things. Continue to work out your salvation, the Bible says. Uh, and this is all to do with our character and our behavior. And it comes out of that, that assurance that we are standing on the rock, which is Christ Jesus. He is our cornerstone, as we've sung this morning. And how we think, how we talk, how we act, you know, is, is so important. And we need to behave what we believe. And if we believe that God is in control, if we believe that Jesus you know, uh, has it all together, then you know, let's make sure that our behavior reflects that, that our words reflect that, that we're not falling apart with everybody else, that we're not you know, speaking negatively or anything like that, but we're conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know, Jesus has come and poured out his grace into our lives. Let's live in that grace. Let's live in that strength day by day. This is about consistent living. And it has to do with our lifestyle. Okay, there's three things. We're halfway through. Are you okay? All right? Okay, good. I'll have you home for dinner. All right. Number four, um, contend as one man for the faith of the gospel, verse 27 says. Now, that has to do with our relationship as, as believers, as Christians. Contend as one man for the faith of the gospel. This speaks of cooperation. The Greek word for cooperation there, or the picture that is given, this one-man thing, is sunathlos. And it means to be strong together as athletes. Now, athletes train hard. You know, a lot of the time they're, you know, they're individual and, uh, you know, they're, they're competing against others. But, but imagine that kind of four-by-four four relay. You know, they have to be strong together. They have to be tight together. They have to be disciplined they have to get the timing right of when they hand over the baton. Uh, they've got to get it all worked out. You know, this is being strong together as athletes and uh, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, Paul says. You see, when there is unity, it's hard, harder for the enemy to destroy. Watch out for him because this is a spiritual battle that we're in. And, and the, the enemy always hates new things. Because he'll try to, to cut it off. You know, he'll try to get into the foundations. He'll try to get into, uh, you know, those areas where he can get a, a hold and a stranglehold and, and try to pull things down and, and stop things from working out. Watch out. You know, Paul says, we are not unaware of the devil's schemes. You know, let's, let's wise up to what he actually does and, and uh, the ways that he tries to get in. You know, this is a spiritual battle. So we need to stand firm. We need to work together. We need to stand firm together. We need to be strong like an army together. you know. And when opposition comes, when challenges come, don't be frightened. Stick together. Pray together. Pray for one another. Pray for God's uh, kingdom to come here in this town. Encourage one another. See, we're a body made up of many parts, uh, but one body. And this is about our relationship together. This is about connected living. And this is so fundamental, you know, in the life of uh, the local church, you know, that a kingdom uh, divided against itself cannot stand. So we have to submit to one another. We need to love one another deeply. We need to make room for each other. We need to recognize each other. Actually, there are so many one-anothers in the New Testament that we're called to do. It's worth doing a study on that, you know? Be kind to one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. So many one-anothers, there really is. But this is all about our relationship. This is all about connected living. It's about working together and uh, sticking together so that we can see the gospel come, the kingdom of God come into this town and into this area. You know, when things go a little bit wrong or don't go your way, when decisions are made that, you know, you think, oh, what do they do that for? Be very careful how you respond in that time. Don't react to those things. Don't uh, get offended by those things. You know, uh, there's a a vision for the the local church and for the house. and, And sometimes we don't always, you know, necessarily grasp the implications of that, you know. I'd just say just get behind the vision. You know, even at times when it's not your personal preference. If it's songs that, you know, you wouldn't normally sing or the or the, the volumes too high or whatever it is, think is there a bigger picture about this? Is this are we trying to do something here that will engage with people who are not yet part of it? Why do we do this? Because the danger is we begin to think of church as being about me. That church is about, you know, because we live in a consumer society, don't we? That enters into the life of the church as well. This is all about me. This is all about how I, uh, I benefit. Now, of course, we want everybody to benefit. We want everybody to grow and, and all of those things. But sometimes, I've seen it so many times in church, it becomes more about me. I remember leading the church once and, and somebody came up afterwards and said, you know, um, uh, I didn't enjoy the, the worship this morning, Pastor. I said I didn't realize it was for you. Actually, I thought it was more about you know, for Jesus and and you know it, because they didn't sing the songs that they wanted or it was too loud or whatever. You know, come on, we got to be bigger than some of those things. You know, uh, there's always a why behind the what in terms of why we do things. So don't get offended. Don't don't get you know talking to others and finding others to gravitate towards and 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 who who share your opinion, because that just becomes divisive, and it leads to factions, and it undermines the vision of the local church. We've got to be bigger people than all of that. Don't get offended, you know, when somebody says something that's a bit thoughtless or insensitive, you know. Um, The word says this, that an offended brother or sister is more unyielding than a fortified city. Well, you know, a fortified city, the drawbridge is up, you know, the doors are closed, nobody gets in and nobody gets out. And you see offended people in, in the body of Christ, you know, that are just living without forgiveness, who are living without grace, who somebody upset them years before and, and nobody can get in and, and they're not trying to reach out. Don't get into that place of being offended because it will hold you and it will bind you and it will stop you from being all that God wants you to be. Contend as one man for the faith of the gospel. We're not going to allow stuff like that into Bridge Church. We're not going to allow gossip or slander or undermining or faction or divisiveness or anything like that. Make that commitment personally that if there is an issue, I'll talk to that person and we'll we'll work it through and pray it through together. Because this is how the enemy works. This is how... He tries to get in, to spoil and to separate and to divide. But Paul says this, contend as one man for the faith of the gospel. And uh, let's do all that we can to keep connected and uh, build the relationships that God has given to us. Is that okay? Not cross with me? All right, good, okay. Sometimes we've got to hear hard stuff or we be reminded about stuff that is a little bit painful, but it happens. I remember uh, going to help a church once that had got itself into difficulty and um, uh, it was, there was something there and as I began to sort of dig down and try and find out what happened, why there were certain families who didn't speak to other families, uh, as I began to sort of dig down, I opened a bit of a can of worms really And I discovered that 40 years ago, somebody had said something from one family that had offended another family and they never spoke to each other after that. They turn up for church and communion and all of this, but they never spoke to each other. And then their children took the same offense and didn't speak to each other. And the grandchildren were now, oh no, we don't speak to those people, you know? And you think, And nobody could even remember what the problem was in the first place. But the culture had become so strong in that situation that, no, you didn't talk to those people. Now, what kind of witness is that? What kind of, how is that church ever going to be effective in the things of God in that community? Uh, You know, until that thing was dealt with. And thank God we were able to to challenge some of those things. They didn't like me at the time, but there you go. Uh, I'm secure in myself. Here's number five. Be content in every circumstance, in every situation. In chapter four, verse 11, uh, Paul says, I rejoice, let me find my glasses because I think I'm reading the wrong verse. Verse 10, I I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you've been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstance, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Be content in every circumstance, in every situation. It's another great principle for life. Uh, especially as a believer. You know, that has to do with our values. Uh, This is about contented living. This means that whatever situation you face in life, whether you've got a lot or whether you've got a little, whatever, you know, your values are such that you're content. Your your value and your trust in God is going to keep you that right attitude, rather than uh, giving in to that consumerist uh, thing or whatever it might be. Uh, it's, it's consistency. When it's good and when it's bad, Paul says, when it's going smoothly and when it's tough, be content in every situation. Recognize that there are different seasons in your life and Act accordingly. Keep on keeping on. You know, over the years, uh, we've been married. We've been married 34 years, I think it is, this year. I better remember that before June. Does anyone know what day in June I got married? Uh, I have to remember that. June the 11th. Uh, but um, uh, over that time, you know, we've, we've had different seasons, just as you have. Sometimes we've done pretty well. Other times we've been like, you know, can we eat this week? But uh, we've had to maintain that that trust in God that says, you know, whatever happens, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to be content in this situation because, you know, when it happens in the world, so many people panic, don't they? We can stay in a place of contentment, uh, you know, as we trust him. Uh, This is contented living and it has to do with our values. I work for Compassion UK, which is part of Compassion International. And and, uh, currently, we have 1.8 million children registered on our programs in 26 developing nations. And maybe another time, I'll come and talk to you more about that. And, And basically, I've got the best job in the world. I get to speak up for kids who've got no voice, who are trapped by poverty and, you know, hopelessness. But if we can you know, speak up for them and find somebody to invest in their life. They cross that line and and, and their life begins to change. Uh, but I've met so many people in different parts of the world. You know, some of the places that I've gone into, their homes, your garden shed is is, is far better than that place. And and they live in such dire, abject poverty. But, you know, there's, there's something of... Uh, contentment even in that at times even though there's a challenge they've discovered the secret of being content in every situation and they'll say you know yeah right now it is tough but God is faithful and he's looking after us you know and and today we had food uh, tomorrow we may not have food, but we're going to continue to trust God. Now that's contented living, isn't it? You know, is it right that that should happen? No. So we want to do everything we can to get people to a place where you know they can have consistency in terms of the basic things in life. I remember um, back well, quite a few years now when the Kosovan crisis was on, and uh, I went over to Albania and uh, was there for about three weeks, uh, just working in a kind of refugee-type place situation. And I remember these people who just come out of Kosovo, back to Albania, and some terrible, terrible things were happening, you know? Fathers and sons were being killed in brutal ways. So you had lots of mums and younger children coming back. But uh, we had this great big kind of warehouse and, you know, these families would come and they would have like a, a six-foot area and then the next family and then the next family just up and down this warehouse. And, and uh, you know, they'd perhaps been given 15 minutes to get out of their home. And how tough that was, you know? How awful uh, that situation was. And yet there was something of a, uh, a contentment in that situation, something of a, pers- a different perspective uh, and they'd managed to snatch a few family photos from the past, but perhaps little else. And and they had memories of happier times. And, and, and there was something of a, a thankfulness and a gratitude for what was happening right now. You know, sometimes we kind of fall apart when the electric goes off or the water stops or we've got problems at home, you know? We need to be in that place of consistency and contentment. God... You know, that we trust you in that time and we're not going to fall apart in that situation. See so many situations around the world where people have discovered that truth inside them that says I'm going to remain trusting in God and being content in that circumstance and situation. Here's the last thing. Can I share one more thing with you? Is that all right? It's got 27 points. Uh, Point number one. No, it hasn't. Okay, so what what we got? we got uh, Christ is the most important one. We need to continue to rejoice. We need to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy in the, of the gospel of Christ. We need to contend as one man for the faith of the gospel. We need to be content in every circumstance. And the last thing is this. Be, be confident that he who began a good work will complete it. Verse 6 there of Philippians chapter 1. Paul is just really wanting to encourage them with their faith. This has everything to do with our faith. This has to do with confident living. Be confident that he who began a good work in you will complete that work. How many of you know that the journey that we're on isn't always easy, is it? You know, sometimes we're kind of riding high and, you know, full of faith and all the rest of it. But other times, there are problems, there are trials. But he who called is faithful. And when at times we struggle and we take our eyes off of him, he still holds us and he still carries us through that time. And he's committed to shaping us and to molding us to be the people that he wants us to be. James writes this, you know, consider it pure joy when you meet trials of various kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and character and maturity and all of those things. The message version says, don't try to get any, out of anything you know, too soon. Don't try to take shortcuts. Go down that route that God has ordained for your life because he wants to teach you lessons along the way through that trial. And uh, so you may be going through a, a particular trial right now. Sometimes we like to try and work it out. If I do this, if I do that, if I speak to this person, maybe they can help me. Maybe they can supply that situation or or whatever. And we've tried to work it out and we've not really trusted God. But actually, he wants to take us down a difficult road because he's maturing us and he's building perseverance in us and character in us and, and developing us along the way. He's committed to shaping us and molding us to be the people that he wants us to be, and because he loves us, we can have confidence that he knows what he is doing and only does what is best for us. Sometimes we don't understand it. You know, the, the word says that his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than ours, and that's because he's God. So we work it all out logically, but God sees a bigger picture. His ways are higher and he does things that don't seem to make sense at times. You know, we think, God, why have you done that, you know? But he sees the bigger picture and, and what he's wanting to produce in each one of us. You know, again, the word says that he is the alpha and the omega. He's the, that means the beginning and the end. And what he has begun, he will always finish. Now, if he's the beginning and the end, everything else in the middle is taken care of. If he's the starter and the completer, if he's the beginner and the finisher, if he's the alpha and the omega, then everything in between is taken care of. I don't need to worry about it. I can sleep at night because God is dealing with those things. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? You know, it's... It doesn't take him by surprise. Oh no, Luke's facing trials. What am I going to do to help him? You know, God God doesn't think that way. God knows all about that stuff before it even happens. And he's got a plan to bring Luke through and to to train him and to help him uh, in that time as well and to develop him uh, through that situation. So if he's the beginning and the end, then everything else in between is taken care of. So the writer to the Hebrews says this later, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And we need to be faithful in that time, trusting that God has started something in us and he's going to complete that work in us as well. And, you know, the journey uh, can be so different. I remember when I went to Albania that, first of all, I got into a car and was driven to the airport. Then I, I went on a shuttle uh, to get out to the, uh, the gate. Uh, so it was a different vehicle again. Then I got onto a plane and flew to uh, the east coast of Italy, Bari. And then I got onto a ferry and went across this ferry uh, crossing and... Uh, you know, it was quite bumpy and all the rest of it. And then, then when I got to the other side, uh, I got into a minibus, and the minibus took us a to part of the journey. Then we got into a lorry, and then after the, uh, the lorry had gone as far as it could, it dropped us at the end of a road, and we had to walk down this, this lane for a couple of miles. You see, the journey was very different. There were different vehicles along the way, different experiences along the way, uh, different uh, situations. There were uh, different scenery that I was able to see. There were different perspectives. Sometimes I was right up high and I could see everything below. Other times I'm just walking along and and, and what's right in front of me. Uh, there were different experiences. Of you know, it was quite a, an interesting time. There was uh, you know, guns pointed at me at one point. There was. Uh, Minibuses breaking down. There was stuff that was stolen. There was all kinds of things, you know, the, all the different um, tanks from Germany and Spain and Britain and all the rest of it were trundling through and, and uh, soldiers marching out to, to, to do warfare. And uh, there were bombs going overhead from the American ships, uh, you know, in the, in the sea. And they were just flying over and we could see them at night, you know. And, and all these different experiences that I was having on this journey that uh, I was undertaking. There were different people along the way, different travelling companions, and different conversations that happened, and all of this stuff. What I'm trying to say is that the the journey that we're on in life will involve many different things, many different experiences, many different perspectives, many different people will journey with us. Many different relationships will be a part of that. Many... uh, you know things that would perhaps concern us. Other things that you know uh, were actually quite exciting were happening as well, and that's all part of life. And we negotiate our way through that journey. But be confident that He who began that journey in you, that beginning in you, will bring it through to completion. So I want to pray for you this morning, and maybe the band could come back and uh, and help us. Um, And I wonder, Abby, could we just sing that Be Lifted Up again? You know, is that okay? And as we kind of pray together, you know, some of this stuff is, you know, connected with you. Maybe it's just one thing and you haven't listened to anything else, but there's just one thing that's connected with you this morning. Respond to that. You know, in in faith this morning. I wonder if we can just stand to our feet and I want to pray for you. And then we're going to sing this song. And... Maybe we need just to humble ourselves this morning and we need to bow before him. Maybe we need to bow a hard heart. Maybe we need to bow a a proud heart before him this morning. Uh, A heart that says, I don't need God, I I can work this all out on my own. Or um, maybe we've been just surrendering to the circumstances around us maybe an illness or a, a big financial situation or a relationship breakdown or whatever and we've kind of surrendered it to it because it's so overwhelming. But the problem is we're surrendering to the wrong thing and we need to bow before Him and see Him lifted up in our lives so that Christ becomes the most important one. So that as we worship him and as we praise him and adore him, something of strength comes into our lives, something of renewed joy and faith and hope begins to uh, touch our hearts again so that we can respond and not react, so that we can respond in faith and not in fear.